What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the 4A Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. I'm here with Brad and Stevs today. Uh, we're going to be recapping the AL East, one of the most competitive divisions in all of baseball. Uh, Stevs, why don't you take us here into the recap uh, of this day in the offseason? Uh, okay, so, so far in the offseason, just started. It is currently 10.03 on November 6th. Not much has happened, um, but what has happened is Sean Doolittle has signed a minor league deal with, to return to the Washington Nationals. Also with the Nationals, they have declined uh, – the Nationals and Nelson Cruz have declined their mutual option. Staying in the NL East, uh, Edwin Diaz has signed a five-year, $102 million deal with the New York Mets to remain their uh, reliever uh, or their closer for the upcoming years. Uh, Carlos Jordan opts out of his deal with the Giants for this upcoming season. Um, and we also do have a trade to announce. Uh, Sam Hilliard is being dealt to the Braves in exchange for Dylan Spain. He will be heading to the Rockies. And to wrap it up, Matt Holliday uh, is now the bench coach for the St. Louis Cardinals. Other than that, let's give it over to Brad. So the American League East this year, it started off with the Yankees just going, 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 and then they ran full speed into a wall. Like, you know, when you're just like, you're running the mile in PE, but it's like you had like a, a lot of meals that day and you're all, you're about to hit that final sprint and then your hamstring just pulls. Like that was the Yankees this year. Uh, they kind of like limped into the finish line. Uh, the Blue Jays, ooh, Yeah. A lot of this division was really surprising, disappointing, exciting, and everything else in between. But we're going to kick it off with those limping New York Yankees. Tom, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think regardless of how they finished, I think this historical first half of the season is something that we have to look at. Um, I think from a from a um, front office standpoint, I think they could have had a bigger splash at the deadline with maybe players like Castillo, Hader, or Drury maybe, or even Soto. Um, the players that got were Frankie Montas, Ben Intendi, and Bader. And at the time, these didn't seem like bad acquisitions to get at all. Because uh, yeah, at the time of these trades, they were performing great. But Ben Intendi didn't perform well as a Yankee. Uh, Montas definitely did not perform very well as a Yankee. Well, Ben Intendi took some time to heat up. He was awful through two weeks. Um, Bader ended up being the best acquisition, I would say, for the Yankees, just because of his performance in the postseason. Um, Judge played out of his mind. And he ultimately proved that one player can carry a team because he was the heart and fire of that team. When Judge was not playing well, the whole team wasn't playing well. Um, but he also had amazing seasons from several players in the lineup. I think Clay Holmes had a breakout season. I know the second half was not as good as the first, but he still had a breakout season. Cole's consistent. You got returning players. Uh, Severino pitched well. Um, you know, uh, Nestor Cortez, out of nowhere, um, started pitching well. Uh you kind of didn't have the best season from Chapman, and he kind of dipped before the postseason. But a lot, a lot of flaky pieces in that lineup. Literally. But you had the, the Bronx Bombers, and they did what the Bronx Bombers do. They, I'm pretty sure they let all of baseball in home runs. They hit a lot of home runs. Uh, main providers of that being Rizzo, Stanton, and Judge, obviously. Um, yeah, an all-star catcher now, Intravino. You know, and there's a lot of there's a lot of new faces on that team too who are providing to to the Yankees and I, I think that they still had a very good season now Steph, what do you got on this they definitely had a, a regular season to be remembered but I wouldn't say it's because the Yankees were very memorable I would say it's because Aaron Judge was very memorable and that is what this 2022 New York Yankees was it wasn't the Yankees it was Aaron Judge and the rest that's what it was you did have guys like um you had guys like Nestor Cortez. You had guys like, obviously, you have Garrett Cole. You have Luis Severino, um, Jose Trevino. But just Aaron Judge is the New York Yankees, and I don't know if he will remain the New York Yankees. You have this whole – the whole season, you couldn't sign him at the beginning of the year, and you couldn't get the contract done. So it was just kind of hovering over them the whole season, and it didn't let – that did not let uh, Aaron Judge. That did not stop Aaron Judge from doing what he does best, and that's hitting home runs. Yeah, I think like Tom said, it. This season starts and ends with Aaron Judge. Like without him, they're a ninety-win team. Um, his season just 
it was historic. Like it was fantastic. And it's exactly what you needed to beat Shohei Otani to win the American League MVP award. Um, puts a 211 OPS plus. He was two times better than a league average hitter. And he played above average defense in both center field and right field pretty much all season. Like this is the most games he's ever played in a season. And there's a lot of like worry about his injury history through 2018 through 2020. Like last year, he put up a pretty full campaign. Obviously his rookie year was a full campaign. And this year, like his first complete campaign since his rookie year, and he's going to win the American league MVP. Um, Looking at that early season success, like something that I think we forget just because how far removed it is, is the rise of Matt Carpenter. Like Matt Carpenter had it like out of nowhere, huge breakout for the New York Yankees. Like he got cut from the Texas Rangers. The Yankees pick him up and they throw him in pretty much exclusively against right-handed pitching, but he dominates right-handed pitching like a fantastic 40 game stretch. And unfortunately he gets hurt and he's out for the rest of the season until the postseason. Unfortunately, the postseason didn't go great for him going over seven in his first seven at pass with seven strikeouts. And then he finally landed the bloop single. Yeah, and I think I think I don't want to say it reflects the Giants' play, but I think having a platoon hitter like that um, is definitely a very useful thing to have in your lineup. And I think that a lot more teams are going to start seeing that. Um, but Matt Carpenter, I think a lot of his success was based on his matchups. Um, I think if he was an everyday starter, he would be still a lot better than he had been in the previous two years. But he's not the same Matt Carpenter everyone was freaking out about. Um, with that being said, though, I still think that the games he played were incredible. I've never seen Matt Carpenter hit so many consecutive home runs. It, it was like it was a home run or nothing, really. He didn't really hit many singles, but it was just a bunch of home runs in a row. Um, it's fun to watch highlights of him. I mean, he really just nails, like, everything. I don't know. Um, it might be the short fence. might be the fact that he's playing on a, you know, playing in a platoon role, but I, I still think that it, I would consider it a successful – successful season for Matt Carpenter and the Yankees for picking him up. So that's what you think. Um, I was just kind of, I agree. Matt Carpenter was a name that he always will have one great month. Every, every year it always happens. Cause you remember what, what season was it when he had that amazing seat, amazing month. And he like, people started talking like he was going to win the MVP and all that stuff. And it was, insane and every season i feel like matt carpenter always has this one month where he's completely crazy and hits the ball out of the park more than anyone else and it's it's just amazing to see uh yeah it was the 2013 season again it's insane it's matt carpenter is a face and a name in baseball that isn't well known but he's well known like he's not a forefront guy that everyone knows but when you hear like the name Matt Carpenter as a baseball fan you know the name Matt Carpenter um, but I'm also going to go back to our predictions from the the beginning of the season because Aiden was spot on pretty much on this New York Yankees team he had them going 98 and 64 the, the Yankees went 90 99 and 63 he was spot on I don't think he would have predicted how they got to 99 and 63, but he was pretty spot on. Tom, on the other hand, was not as spot on. He had them going 89 and 73, flip-flopping with the Red Sox, who went 81 and 81 in his prediction. He had them third or fourth in 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 the rankings. So it's just kind of that duality that this Yankees team had a very, had a high ceiling but a low floor in our minds. And I think that if Judge had gotten hurt, that floor was definitely a possibility. Yeah. Uh, my preseason prediction for the Yankees was 91 and 71. But my most proud preseason prediction was Aaron Judge winning the American League MVP. Um, I didn't think he'd be having like this historic of a season by any means. But I was just thinking, you know, if he finally gets the full like healthy campaign, like he'll put it up because like even last year he was still really good. Put up on 911 OPS in his 130 some odd games. Like that's a pretty good season nonetheless. Um with the Yankees 99 wins this year, I think I just didn't value in how good that Aaron Judge season would be. But it, I also didn't think like Anthony Rizzo would put up his best year in three years. Like I didn't think Anthony Rizzo was the guy he was when he was in his prime, supposedly in Chicago. Um 
and something that I is smaller sample size, but the Oswald O's are ready to play. Oswaldo Cabrera and Oswald Peraza, like Os- they both came up later in the year, but it's just really promising to see like two young rookies coming up and like knocking it around in the yard pretty consistently at the major league level. Uh, Peraza needs shortstop next year. Like I know they traded for kind of Falefa, but they really just need to give it to Peraza. You can get kind of Falefa in wherever you want as like a defensive replacement, give someone a day off, put someone in the DH role. It obviously they're going to have Stanton filling that up for a majority of the time, but Given the shortstop role, he had an 8.32 OPS and a small 57 plate sample. Wow, 57 plate appearance sample, and then Cabrera puts up a 109 OPS plus over his couple months up. Like he's a good ball player. He just needs to consistently know where he's going to play every day, and I think that's really going to benefit him. Absolutely. Um, says, well, you got anything, anything to add on that real quick? I got to look something up real quick. No, I don't have anything to add, but I was going to kind of get into grades, if that's okay with you guys. I still got a little bit more to go. You got a little more to go? Okay. I think uh, we have to look at that pitching. Pitching, okay. Um, Something that, like, Garrett Cole didn't have his best year, but he led the league in strikeouts again. He threw 200 innings. Like, that's, honestly, I'm okay paying $35 million for 200 innings pitched to a 3-5 ERA. I'm okay with that. Because you know you're probably going to get that or better every year. And and just in retrospect, Garrett Cole, that sticky stuff, is like a really good number two. I wouldn't put him in the ace category, though. Do you guys agree with that? I think so. But, but Garrett now. Cole's the type of guy that you pay. I mean, he's 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 fairly consistent. I mean, I know with the crackdown last year, he became a little bit rough. But it seems like he's found another way <laughs> to make it sticky. And that's that came off weird, but he's like, he's found different ways. Apparently he said that he's still finding a way to make the ball stick legally. Um, so I don't know what that means, but he's clearly found a way to, to fix his, his problem that he ran into last season without getting caught. Obviously it's not like it's cheating, but natural ways of making the ball rate, the spin rate go faster. He's figured it out and it's legal. So he's going to continue to dominate like he has been. And Getting leading the league in strikeouts and eating a ton of innings, that's what you need as a starter, especially for regular season success, too. Um, and it kind of reflected well in the postseason, too. I mean, he pitched really well in the postseason. That's something you can add on later, but um, he was a good regular season pitcher, you know? Yeah. Um, Garrett Cole, though, like his curveball spin rate and his slider spin rate compared to 2019 are down 100 spin or 100 rotations per minute. So, like, obviously, like, there is evidence of something being there. And I think, like, you can argue for some pitchers that sticky stuff is more of just a feel thing, like feel where it's coming off your fingers, like have feel of the ball. But I really think he to just abuse it for spin rate. And, like, the little bit of regression does make a big difference. Uh, his fastball still spins his tape and still moves as much. But still, like, Garrett Cole is a very good pitcher. I just He goes from the A-plus to, like, a quality A-minus, like borderline A. Um, Jamison Tyone... Doesn't bounce off the page, but three nine one over one hundred seventy seven innings, not bad. I my uh, early prediction is I think he's going to end up with the Dodgers. I think that curveball is like something that the Dodgers like really take advantage of. Something like Tyler Anderson's changeup. Um, and then Tom, you was it you? I think Nestor Cortez, like best pitcher in the staff this year at least. Yeah, and I, I, I honestly thought he was more of a meme at the beginning of the season. I wasn't really like hip to Nestor Cortez until right around before the all-star break. I didn't really understand that he was actually pitching good. I thought he was just a meme because his leg kick, but you look at his stats, he's, he's dominating. I mean, he, he's the number one if, if Cole isn't. And I think that they're both around the same level because the stuff that the finesse that Cortez has Cole doesn't, but the power that, that Cole has Cortez, they balance out in different aspects of pitching. But I think that, I think like in a, in a win all game, I would rather have Cortez on the mound just because of his, this season's performance. But I'm curious to see if he can keep it up next season. I know a lot of one season wonders like that, but I'm, I'm hoping that he can keep it, keep it going. Uh, I know he doesn't have the most velocity or special stuff. Does he have a high spin rate? No. So it's, it's what is, what is creating the success with him? Is it the deception or are people going to figure him out? It's, I think it's everything comes out of the same arm slot, except for when, like when he's toying with it. So everything looks out of the hand really similar. But the issue with him is he can't really go deep into games, so he's not going to go through the lineup that third time where someone like Garrett Cole would get punished. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's interesting. Yeah, I feel like 
for that reason, I think he might get cracked by batters sooner and they might figure him out. He's going to have to make an adjustment eventually. I think he's going to run into a roadblock like that in, in future years coming up. Yeah. Some pitchers can get away with, with, with those errors, with not like errors, but lack of, lack of like special talent, you know, like, you know, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think that Cortez will be figured out eventually, but I'm hoping that he can replicate the success from this season. Yeah. And like Luis Severino came back this year, looked like it was his first like season since 2018. He looked pretty good, like showed promising sides. He'll be back with the Yankees next year. Um, and that bullpen, like Clay Holmes had a historic first half and then he was aggressively average in the second half. Michael King was great. And then he got hurt. And that was, I think that's when the Yankees started to lose their footing was losing like their anchor in the bullpen of Holmes and King. Like they weren't locking it down because one of them was hurt and one of them was just progressing. I think that really started to see the decline. But they did pick up the piece of the trade deadline of Lou Trevino, who pitched to a one six six over twenty one and two thirds innings, and it's a, it's names like Lou Trevino that make you a better team, and that's I think that was the Yankees' best acquisition at the deadline this year. Yeah, you can argue that. I think in terms of value, I'm not like it's not like star power, but value to the team, I would definitely say he's one of the best. Uh, one that surprised me is Wandy Peralta, a name that I really hadn't heard in the past. He's coming out of the bullpen pretty pretty consistently. Um, he ate up a lot of those late innings. Um, and even in the postseason, he pitched a lot. Um, I know he did give up that the walk-off against Oscar Gonzalez, but he was, in the regular season at least, a really consistent pitcher. Um, pitched to a, let's see, a 273 with 105 whip. I mean, that's very consistent. He did not walk many batters. So, Yeah. And so, Stebs, you want to bring us through grades? All right, so I'll start off with grades. Um, well, Aiden had the Yankees at an A-minus grade. Not a terrible grade at all by any stretch of imagination. I had them slightly above that. I had them at an A. I think if they were able to go deep into the postseason, then I probably would put them higher than that. But the Yankees just – they had a great regular season. Aaron Judge did Aaron Judge things. It's just a solid A season through and through, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I gave him an A minus just because, I, I mean, obviously the, the postseason didn't go very well, but in the, in the second half was a little rough. But the reason I give them an A minus, and I, that might be a bit of a high grade, is just because they did exceed everyone's expectations. A lot of people, everyone except for Aiden, did not think that they were going to win the division, really. I, I think everyone thought the Blue Jays were going to win. We're going to get into that more in the next section uh, about my rant about the Blue Jays not winning the division. But, um, just they, just them exceeding expectations and also looking down into the minor league, seeing Volpe and Jason Dominguez perform at the highest level. They have a future too, you know, beyond beyond everything. But I do think that in the future they need the lockdown judge. He is the heart and soul of the team. But uh, Brad, what you got on this? So I'm kind of conflicted because if you look at the narrative of their season, they started off so strong. They were on pace to break the record, but they really, like they fell off at the end. But if you flip that, right? where they were kind of an average team at the beginning and were fantastic at the end. I'm giving them an A plus, but I can't give them that considered like, that's why I'm so conflicted on what to give them because obviously their postseason was disappointing. And I think injuries had a lot to do with that. Uh, I think a healthier bullpen really would have benefited that team, but they weren't ready. They were barely ready for Cleveland. Nonetheless, the Astros, I don't think anyone was ready for the Astros. Like, as we said, like in our world series episode, like the Astros were the team to beat in the American League. Like, I can't discredit the Yankees for that. Um, I think the Yankees regular season, it was good, but this 99 win team feels more like an 89 win team to me, just like because of how they played over the last three months. So I got to give them a B plus for that. The Blue Jays had an underwhelming season, but it wasn't the worst season, right? They ended up with 92 wins, they had 70 losses. And they, but coming into the season, their narrative was they needed pitching, and they went out and they signed guys. They signed guys like Jose Barrios, um, and and pitchers like that. And during throughout the season, they had their stars shine, and that's really what they needed. They made that trade before the season for Matt Chapman. He had a average season i would say he hit 229 over the season had 27 bombs not incredible 
uh, or anything like that. But the story really was Vladimir Guerrero as it should be. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the face of the of the uh, of the Toronto Blue Jays, and he proved it time and time again. On top of that, you had guys like uh, Alejandro Kirk, Bo Bichette, obviously, um, out in the outfield, Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., um, and, and George Springer. George Springer this season was a name that they really they really needed. Um, he batted 267. He had 25 home runs over the season. And he had a decent season. They just need more from him uh, in order for them to win games. They definitely need more pitching in order to compete deep in the games. I'm going to get it over to Tom. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people had the Blue Jays winning the AL East easily. And I did too. Um, I mean, after after all the free agent signings, I think that like, I think that a lot of people thought thought that it was going to be uh, the Blue Jays dominating. And I mean, this is a star team now. I mean, they kind of built that, and I think I think a lot of people thought this would be the best team in baseball. I don't know if you guys thought that, but I, I definitely thought they would be one of, if not the best teams, other than the Astros, maybe. Um, but after having a, a, a decent first half, I mean, a good first half, I wouldn't say, like, expectations, um, they didn't really have the best trade deadline. You picked up Whit Merrifield, who probably should have been traded years ago, um, which is just not a good acquisition at the trade deadline. You got a down you got a down season from a, a couple players. I wouldn't call them down, down seasons, but... Bo Bichette did not play to the level he did last season. Vladdy did not play to the level he played last season. Um, you got players like Barrios who definitely did not play to the, the level they were playing last season. And um, I, I think it, it definitely wasn't a lack of offense. In fact, they led all of baseball in hit, hits and average, and they led the American League in OPS. So they did not struggle on the offensive side of things. Um, what did surprise me is that they gave up the 16th most runs in all of baseball, which is right around the middle. And they gave it the 10th most hits in all of baseball. But the strangest thing to me is that they don't walk anyone. And in fact, they issued the third least amount of walks in all of baseball. That doesn't, that doesn't usually correlate to, to bad pitching success, like bad pitching success. Um, it seems that they don't have a control issue. They just have a getting smacked by the other team issue. It seems like the pitching is definitely the thing they need to level up. Um, when you have, star power on the offensive side and you continue to dominate the offensive side, you need to add more pieces on the defensive side. And I think that the Brios signing was probably not the best idea in retrospect, obviously, but he, no one could have predicted that he was going to be this bad. Uh, but Brad, what do you think about that? So I think a lot of the issue this season wasn't that the top line starting was bad. Like Manoa had a fantastic season. Kevin Gossman came over and he proved that he was more than just a San Francisco Giants analytics piece. But you talk about Jose Barrios like pitching horribly, and I, I just wanted to pull something up on the screen real quick, just so you guys could see it as well. Like this is where he released the ball from. Like you see a little tip there. Like he doesn't release the ball from the same spot. Like, I don't know exactly like where these release points came from, like or what they were aimed for. Like whether the one on the left was towards the outside corner, the one on the right was towards the inside corner, whatever that correlation was. But you could clearly tell where the ball was going to go, regardless, like where his release point came from. Because you can see a lot more fastball sinker from that, from our perspective, right side, more towards the plate release point. And I really think like just things like that, they should have been caught. Like that should have been recognized by Blue Jays pitching staff. Like this is on baseball savant where one of us could go see it. Like Blue Jays pitching staff should have been able to fix that issue. And they didn't like his fastball was unusable, especially considering the fact that he threw a lot of pitches at the top of the zone for his four seam. And it's a pitch that had below average vertical rise. Like it's just Jose Barrios's fastball was really bad. And they kept throwing it. The Woba, 440 on uh, off of his fastball for reference Aaron Judge's season wobble was 458 I think it also just hurt like name like Yusei Kikuchi he was a real disappointment like that could have been a real good arm for them and he was just really bad but to highlight like something uh a trade that they did make that I think that was good was they got Zach Pop and Anthony Boss for Jordan Gershon's earlier in the season I think it was around May and that was a really good move like both 
uh, relievers through to a sub two ERA for them. And I don't even think the bullpen was horrible. I don't think it was great. Like Yimi Garcia was okay. Adam Simber was okay. Jordan Romano, like Tom, you were really high on Jordan Romano before the season. Um, did he live up to what you thought he'd be? I mean, in terms of saves, you can count the save stats. He had a lot of saves, um, but he's, I wouldn't consider him um, like a top. I think you can consider him a top five closer maybe, but top three is, is pushing it. Um, I, he definitely, he's definitely one of the best closers. Um, I'm trying to think he's got to be the best closer in the East other than maybe Felix Bautista. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I I would say, yeah, he lived up to the hype and I, and to add on to the, um, shoot, I forgot what I was going to say, but, um, oh, Pete Fairbanks. Yeah. I mean, and Jason Adam, I forgot about the Rays bullpen. Yeah. You really can't compare to that, but. Um, I don't know. I, I think that, um, Seth, you got anything to say on that? No, nothing to say on that. Um, I'm not a big Jordan Romano guy. I know Tom is, um, he had a good season. Nothing really to write home about. Um, pitched terribly in the playoffs. We're not even going to talk about that for him, but they did go out and they did trade for Whit Merrifield, who was a guy that kind of came in and, just did his normal thing. He had a couple hits. Uh, he played pretty well. Uh, it's just outside of Vlad, Vladdy, there, and and I think Teoscar Hernandez, their guys just kind of they're the rest of their team. They they showed up, but they didn't really show out. If that makes any sense, right? Um, they need they need they need they're missing a piece or well they're missing pieces but they're missing a key piece and i think they need to be aggressive in free agency this offseason in order to go out and get that do you think that uh, piece I, I should be all... that. yeah I, I was gonna ask that exact question yeah so wait, say do you think that piece should be offensive or a pitcher i i mean who's the upcoming free because you're not they're not gonna get i don't think judge is not gonna sign with toronto and and what Trey's not going to you could you're not going to get a short you're not going to need a shortstop you're not going to it has to be I don't think it I think it has to be a pitcher it has to be a guy like Aaron Nola right it he's not a free in agent. order is he not a free agent I he no there's a 16 million dollar club option okay but again it has a guy again like Aaron Nola that type of a-list pitcher that is it's just gonna come in and be the, your ace. You're you don't need a guy that is just gonna come in and be okay and aggressively average. You need a guy to be the guy and staple your starting rotation or bullpen. One of the two. Yeah. I, I think I disagree with you about the whole batting thing. I think you you left out a lot of key names. I don't know if it's just forgetting because I do that too all the time. But you got Vladdy, Bobachet, George Springer. Alejandro Kirk kind of had a breakout season. I, I love that guy. Uh, you now got Whit Merrifield. You got Matt Chapman who hits for power. He doesn't hit for average, but he's a good glove. Not necessarily as good as he has been in the past, but you got Lourdes Gurriel Jr. who had one of the most interesting seasons, I think, uh, in recent memory. He, he's, he was really inconsistent, but when he was good, he was really good. You got Teoscar Hernandez. Um, but I will say, um, Brad, my train of thought finally came back to me. Do you think Jose Brios's problem is mechanical and it can be fixed, or do you think he's just past his prime? I don't think that. I think the issue here is that we overrate what Jose Brios was. His best seasons were like a three-five ERA. Like Jose Brios is a middle of the line starter, like starting pitcher, like a good two or three when he's right. I think the issue here was that. A lot of it, like at first, it was like completely mechanical. Like he was either tipping pitches or something wasn't moving right. What he like, what was being called, and at whenever, like something of that nature was not right. And I think that manifested into just something mental at that point, and it really just aided him the rest of the season. Um, but like something that is a positive though, like the catchers. Yeah, like you point out, Alejandro Kirk, like breakout year, he's an all star. Danny Jansen, one forty one OPS plus. And Gabriel Moreno comes up to a 111 OPS plus. Like, that's the, I think, I think something that Stev's, you said, neglected on was how good their offense actually was. 
It was the best offense in baseball this year. Absolutely. I, I think that I think without a question, you have to you have to pick up a, a a defensive player. I don't think I don't think it's a closer either. I think I think that the reason their 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 pitching was so bad was because they had Kikuchi and uh, Barrios. Those two added up for how many innings? Like three hundred fifty innings, probably. And that that really that really cuts into your team success. Um, so it's 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 definitely it's definitely a starting pitcher problem. I don't know who's on the market, but they need to pick up a starting pitcher. I think that the issue here wasn't necessarily that they I don't know if it was necessarily that they didn't have a starting pitcher. Like Hyunjin Ryu, he had to get TJ really early this season. Nate Pearson was nowhere to be found. And Ross Stripling actually did throw and he was pretty good in those pit like in those addings. Like it's just that I agree. Like I agreed and I disagree. Jose Barrios needed to be the number three, and he wasn't. If they had him, it really would have made a huge difference. Um, and just for that early season, like setback, like you look like we had the issue of Charlie Montoyo, first 88 games, 46 and 42. Like for a team that's supposed to be the sequel or like the movie, you can't have a 521 winning percentage, 88 games in. John Schneider comes in, 46, same amount of wins, but 28 losses. 622 winning percentage. He almost increased them by 0.1 winning percentage. Like, that's really good. And, like, you can see with, like, Bobachet, like, obviously not his best year. September carries his season. Like, without it, 725 OPS. With it, he finishes with an 802. Like, that's a that's a very different season. And I really think this Blue Jays team had, like, it erode the lines of, like, when it was good, everyone was good. When it was bad, most people were bad. Yeah, and I, I think back to, as you said, um, that one game, I think it was against the, the Red Sox maybe, where they dropped like 30. I think that's one of the examples of the nights where it, it was clicking for everyone, um, for sure. But are you guys ready to get into grades for this team? Yeah. All right, Steph, just cut us off. Okay, get off again. Aiden had the Blue Jays a solid B. Solid B season, um, nothing to write home about. Solid seasons, really what Aiden, I think, expected for this team. I had them at a B plus. Again, we talked about it. I did mention their offense was very good, but I just think they needed more from their bigger names throughout, like in the postseason at least, because it didn't it didn't really show out in the postseason. And their pitching is, of course, the issue. I did say that, but I did I do think they need to um, focus more. On, they just need to sign somebody. They need to sign a big name and make a wave in the free agent market. But I had them at a B plus, and it, it was again a great. It was a great season through and through. It was underwhelming for what they expected, but not a bad season by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and I think I think a B a B fits them perfectly, just because you look at the record, you would say. If you look, if you look at the record without knowing what the team was, you're like, that's a good record. Um, but you look at the preseason predictions. You look at my preseason predictions. You look at analysts, per, per, their their professional opinions. Everyone thought that the Blue Jays were going to win the the AL East. A lot of people did, at least. Um, I know there were some people that that thought otherwise, but this was this was the superstar team, and I, I'm not even saying that just because they had offense. I, I genuinely thought that uh, Barrios and Kikuchi would be good pitchers. And I knew I, I didn't know that Alec Mano would be at the level he was now, but I knew he'd be good, and I knew Gosman would be good. So when you have pitchers all around, when you when you have both stars on both sides of the field, I mean, I didn't know Ryu was going to get hurt too either. So you have five competent pitchers. You have Jordan Romano. You have a decent bullpen behind him, and you have superstars in the field. I I would expect this team to win 105 games. I, I literally expected that. I don't know if I put that down, but I would have expected a lot of wins for this team. Um, so I think a B fits them for the way that the season finished, and I think that they can do a lot better next season. Brad, what do you think? I think that they had the same exact record as they did last year. For a team that went out and got Matt Chapman, for a team that got Kevin Gossman, you know, they had these huge upgrades. Like, this was supposed to be the team. And to end up where they ended up. I don't necessarily think being the playoffs is bad by any means, but I think that 
being out of the division by seven games, being a kind of lackluster postseason team, losing in two games to the Mariners. And I I agree with your statement that if you look at this independently, not knowing anything else, it's a good season. But I think what I'm looking at is I'm comparing them to what they were supposed to be and where they came from, and they weren't that, and I gave them a C+. Plus. That's cool, um, but I, I do like it. Yeah. Yeah. I there is like I understand where the B's and B pluses are coming from. Like ninety two and seventy is good, but not but what they were supposed to be. Going into the Tampa Bay Rays, another team that was, you know, supposed to be something good. They're supposed to be great. You know, I, I had them winning the East because they're the Rays. I didn't have a reason why they win it. They'd win and my sentence was the Rays are inevitable and there's nothing you can do about it. Except the inevitability can be deterred by injuries, which has plagued them this entire season. Like, they only had two batters get over 500 plate appearances this season. Yandy Diaz and Randy Rosarina. Two guys you want getting 500 plate appearances. But normally you would be like, oh, you know, the Rays, that's kind of normal. It's not. They normally have five or six guys getting that, but platooning the other three positions. So to have them not getting at-bats from the players that they were supposed to, like Wander Franco, Brandon Lau, like that really hurts a team like the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, this is kind of a race season. I mean, you start the season, um, you, you start running into problems. I mean, if this season went perfectly for the race, like if no one got injured, I, I think that they would have been competing for, I don't know if they'd be competing with the Yankees, but, but I think that they would be in that 95 win range. Um, I mean, I think, I think everyone on that, in, that everyone on the roster was down with an injury at some point this season. And it was like, kind of frustrating to watch but they kind of overcame adversity multiple times this season um front office had a decent deadline i mean you got jose siri and david peralta those are those are like raised type players you know like players that you didn't think much about i mean obviously siri had the home run in the uh, wild card game but other than that there wasn't much performance otherwise um it's good to see the Rays doing Ray things again, though, with Jason Adam breakout season. I don't know how they keep getting away with this. This guy had a 5.91 ERA last season. Uh, you got a breakout season from Shane McClanahan. If it wasn't for that injury to stop his momentum, he probably would have won the Cy Young. I know he came back, but that momentum really does matter. Um, and with everything going against them, I, I would consider it a good season for them. I I know I know everyone thought that they were going to be good, but the expectations go down when, when you're lacking half a team, when you're lacking a bunch of players. And I think the way that they handled all the problems that, that came their way this season, I would I would say that they had a good season. I wouldn't say that they meted the met the meted God. I, I wouldn't say they met their expectations. I don't think they did for me at least, but um I still think they made the most of their really bad situation that they were in. Yeah. The Rays to me are a team that just don't make sense. I in my head it's just people, it's just a bunch of guys that the the organization puts together and they he, they throw out there, and they just play amazing. And, again, the, it, we're going to talk about it. We're going to beat the dead horse, but it's the injuries. That's really what costs the Rays a really good opportunity at going deep into the playoffs. But when you have you need that consistency of being out there for 162 games and playing deep into the playoffs because it helps you as a team just mesh better. And Wander Franco was out for a large majority of the season and Shane McClanahan and again, he was out and had pitched amazingly throughout 90% of the season. And it's just such a shame that, this team wasn't as good as we thought they were going to be. Yeah, like the Tampa Bay Rays, they, you can't, it doesn't make sense. Like, these are some people, like, some of the time that none of us have ever heard of. But they flip a guy like Isak Paredes, who seemed to be a failed prospect, puts up a 114 OPS, you know, and then you get to the bullpen or in Shane McClanahan. Like, Shane McClanahan. Great season, cost himself top five Cy Young by getting hurt. Not his choice to get hurt, but it does happen. And honestly, 
I think like this is going back to 2021 when they traded for uh, they traded Willie Adamas for JP Fireisen and Drew Rasmussen. It's another raise win. Like having another a nice starting shortstop every day is something like it's, it's kind of nice to have. But Drew Rasmussen throws 146 innings to a 184 ERA. JP Fireisen his season was cut short, but he had a zero ERA. Zero ERA through 24 and third innings. Like that's a win. It's a raise win. You don't, these are names that you don't understand what they are, who they are, where they come from, but they end up being good baseball players because the Rays put them in the situations that they need to be in to win. And that's what happened again. Um, again, it's just the pitching. Like it's a story. It's the story of the Rays was their pitching. Pete Fairbanks showed again, you know, why he's regarded as one of the best closers, even though his inning total was limited to injury. Jason Adams, as Tom mentioned, breakout year. Um, and then Jeffrey Springs, like, you know, another quality arm that the Tampa Bay Rays has produced. No other team, maybe the Dodgers, maybe the Astros, producing Jeffrey Springs to be what he was this year. What do you guys think yeah. about, like, people like Jeffrey Springs? Is he finding anything anywhere? I mean, you just you just don't see that on other teams. You don't see these players come out of nowhere. Um, but something that did surprise me this season is, is that the Rays prospect system, their farm system did go down significantly because a lot of players were coming up to the majors this year. So this was kind of a year for question to see who would they've been working on. And that was where a little bit of disappointment came in because players like Josh Lowe, Vital Bruhan and Shane Boz, they didn't play well. They didn't play to the, the state, the level that they were playing in the minors and these are the three guys that everyone was looking forward to seeing this season, and it, it tanks their farm system because now they're in the now they're in the majors. And not only does it does do that, but it, you don't you're not getting production from them. Uh, do you think that they can come back next season, maybe and, and be better? I, I don't know. Vital Bruhan was significantly worse than everyone on the team. I mean, he could not hit for anything this season. I, I don't know uh, what to expect here. Um, I think the Rays are going to ray no matter what. Like yeah. you don't like I this year I had them winning the East. I had them at 102 wins. And obviously that didn't go as planned. But when you're able to get like a hundred some on in 160, 170 innings out of Corey Kluber, you know, who was like yesterday's ace, like today he's kind of old. He, he doesn't walk anyone anymore. Like he just doesn't walk anyone at all. But when you're able to get like innings out of those guys and not have your stars and still win 86 games, you're so much better when you have your stars. Like, they didn't have Tyler Glass now. Like, that's a huge, huge piece of their rotation. He's a Cy Young candidate when he's healthy. They didn't have him this year. They didn't have Wander Franco playing a lot of games, and he wasn't good when he was there. Like, the Tampa Bay Rays are one of the best teams in baseball when they're healthy, and they were still a playoff team when they weren't. Yeah, and for that reason, can we get into the grades? Because I want to say my grade on this one. Of course. And for that reason, I gave them a B plus. Just for the way they handle everything, I know they did not meet me and Brad and I's expectations. I don't know about you, Stevs. Did you pick Adam first in the East? I think we all yeah. had first uh, outside of Aiden. Oh uh, yeah, other than Aiden, then we all they they all not disappointed, but they all did not meet our expectations. And I think that it's mainly because of the injuries and what they had to face. Not many teams in the MLB, you could say, have had to deal with the things that the race have had to deal with this season. Um, and like Brad said, the, the random development and the, the consistency out of seemingly unreliable players like Kluber in the past, is, I mean, he fell off the face of the planet and then comes back as a Ray. Just seems like the old faces show up in the Rays uniform. I mean, for, for you know, it's just random players. I, it's just going to keep happening. Uh, it's not like it's going to stop. They're going to keep finding players with potential that they see and they're going to keep making all-stars out of them um and i think i think next season is going to be a true test for them uh they're gonna have a long you're gonna have a long break here in the offseason and they're gonna come back at full power with glasnow mcclanahan kluber this is going to be a really good team and i'm going to pick i'm going to put them relatively high i think i might have them even winning the east because i i think that with all the pieces moving at the same time they're going to be a good team Brad, you look at me funny. What's going on? Is, is Kluber I, not I, signed? Yeah, I think Kluber's a free agent. Uh, well, they, they, they're going to find another version of him. They'll find a Kluber 2.0. Um, in fact, it's not even Kluber on the mountain. That's the raised version of Kluber. They'll, they'll just find a way to replace him. Um, 
Steps, what are your grade on this one? Um, well, first of all, I'll go with Aiden. Aiden had Tampa at a B. Uh, I was right there with Aiden. I also had him at a B. It was a good season, but just underwhelming when three-fourths of us picked them to win the East and you come in third. Made the playoffs and you put up a good fight against the Guardians, I guess, but it's just the Rays we expect. I think we all expected more from them, so it's, they get a solid a solid B grade. Yeah, I like that B. Like, I think that given the circumstances which they dealt with, I, they deserve a B. I think if it was they had everyone, but they played to this 86 and 76 record, we're talking a very different grade. But considering that it wasn't their play that messed with them, it was the injuries that affected them. Like, if this is like, you know... Just a, a disappointing team. Um, my mind blanks on a disappointing team. The Chicago White Sox. If this team was a, a Chicago White Sox where they had the stars but played horribly and missed the playoffs, then we're giving them the C's and we're giving them the lower grades of that. But given the circumstances, they get a B. I think that I think that's perfect. Um, I, I think it's time to move on to probably the most interesting and the most fun to watch team in the, in, in the AL East, the uh, Orioles. Uh, Brad, you want to start us off on this one? So I was really low on the Orioles again, because it really just looked like they were rolling out the same team in a different iteration that they've rolled out the past four seasons. Like the team that won 48 games a couple seasons back, like teams like this, they look the exact same, but they come out, you know, they have a pretty slow start. Like they're not the best team. Adley Rushman gets called up in Mar or in May, excuse me. And they're the best team in the American League East for the rest of the season. Like in 398 plate appearances, Adley Rushman puts up a 5.2 R war. Like this dude's legit. He's a stud. He's arguably top five catcher in baseball. Like I think we need more of a sample size to prove that. But I think you can make that base argument right now. Um, and I think the most promising thing is that this rebuild finally just showed some signs of life. Like, obviously, like, they showed some great signs of life. They won 83 games this year. It's just, it was finally something in the right direction. And even if it was a 75-win season, I think we're still, like, giving them like, so much praise compared to what we get of, would have given them for, like, another 60-win season. And it's nice to see that the front office, the analytics are taking over. They're performing better. And the rookies came up and were really good. Yeah, I mean, this is just this is just progression in every sense of a baseball team. You got better starters, you got better hitting, you got better bullpen. This is why you rebuild. I mean, they did not do it very efficiently, but in the last few years, they have been doing it efficiently. You got like guys like Gunnar Henderson, um, Adley. You didn't have Grayson Rodriguez this season because of an injury, but it's crazy to see Gunnar Henderson playing to the level he is, especially. I think th this guy was like two years older than us. It's a little, it's a little scary, but um, just the fact that he's so young just shows that they're going to be, be around for a while. Um, and just seeing Adley's impact on the team as soon as he comes up, it, it's a little, it, it's 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 a little preview of what's to come. I think that this team is going to be dominating the East for a while. Um, I think there's definitely some interesting sides of this, um, like the trade deadline. They they sold at the deadline, which proved to work amazingly because Mancini was a fan favorite, but he honestly didn't play very well in the Astros. Um, traded Jorge Lopez to the um, was it the Twins maybe? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not really sure what happened over there, but uh, all I know is he didn't make the playoffs either. So, um, you got you got players back. You know, you got you got you're building a farm. You're building the farm that's already strong, and that's what good. GMs do. I mean, this team is built now. I mean, they got a really good farm system and they got a really good future. And now on paper, they have a really good team. Um, and Felix Bautista had a breakout season and a half. I mean, I didn't even know who this guy was. Um, and just the general vibe of the Orioles right now is, is just, they, they got momentum going into the 2023 season. And I, I like the whole the energy around this team. Um, I love watching the end of their games. I love watching Adley Rushman hug the closer. It, it's cool. They got good tradition. They got they got they got something going there. Uh, that's what you think. This Orioles team is a, it feels like it's a team of destiny that's gonna come soon, and they're gonna win a World Series very soon. 
not very soon, but, but within the next five or so years, I could see them winning a World Series. Um, and we got to talk about the guy they drafted this year in, in Jackson Holiday. He's young, obviously. He was just drafted. But when he comes up, he's going to do damage for years to come. And just through and through, it's the Orioles are a fun team to watch. When the Orioles are good, we've said this about a couple teams now, but when the Orioles are good, baseball is better. And I, I as an East Coast guy, I've lived my, on the East Coast nearly my whole life, um, it just these the the Baltimore Orioles are an amazing team to watch I hate them so much because they're just the battle of beltway and all that but the Orioles are a fun team to watch Adley Rushman is a name that I hope one day is hung up and um at Camden Yards and I, I hope I hope he is I hope he will be I hope he's the centerpiece of every Baltimore team for the next twenty years or whatever right. This Orioles team is going to be fun to watch, and I'm excited to watch them. Yeah. Like the Orioles this year, like I think so much of it was just like getting the most out of guys that you wouldn't expect. I think it was a really good combination of. An analytically driven team like the Houston Astros, because, you know, it was the Houston Astros front office, and just a well-run machine. Like, the Orioles just participated, played, produced on so many different levels. Like, the bullpen. Like, CNO Perez, who? Felix Bautista, who? Austin Voth gets picked up from the Nationals to a 304 ERA. And something that's really just interesting is that they didn't have like a top of the line starter. Like John Means was out. You didn't have a guy come on the mound and you're like, that's their ace. This is their guy. Like Jordan Lyles went out there and threw 179 competitive innings. They weren't great innings by any means. They were competitive. You know, it's just like the starting pitchers, they relied on the defense, but the defense showed up. Ramon Rios wins the gold glove the Orioles just play better baseball. And I think the youth, the atmosphere, just everything around that team really benefited their, their production throughout the season. Like even when they lost, it still seems like they were together. Like they had that ounce of togetherness that not all teams have. Yeah. I think I had to build on that, that the togetherness, they, they, they seem like a team out of a movie almost, you know, you know, a lot of teams like, I, mean, I don't want to say like lack personality, but you just see them play baseball. You, you you can feel the personality of these players just coming out. And I mean, maybe it's because I've done a little more research on the uh, Orioles and watched like interviews and seen what they do outside of baseball. But I know a lot of the Orioles now, you know, they, they've made names for themselves and they have personality. And that's what you like to see in baseball players. I mean, you got, you got some players that don't talk as much, you know, like quieter players. Um, but then you got the flashy ones that, that are, that are not shy of personality and also play at a high level. Um, I mean, I guess the quieter players, shoot, I got to think really quick. Um, I can give you an example of a high intense one, Max Scherzer. I mean, he's a personality that is honestly fascinating. His, his intensity on the, on the mound, you can see it. And in his interviews, you, you watch him, you watch him talk about his passion for the game. And it's, it's honestly interesting. You can connect to him. Um, but it's just, it's players that players that show personality and players that don't show personality. I guess you could say Altuve is someone that ne- ne- didn't really show personality and, and like during his Freeman during his prime. He really doesn't. He yeah. kind of just is kind of a day to day kind of comes in, does his job, and leaves kind of. If I'm at the Ryan ballpark, Zimmerman. I might as well play. Ryan Zimmerman. That that's probably the definition of a guy that just kind of comes in, does his job, and leaves. He doesn't really care about anything else. Madison Bumgarner. Baseball. Madison Bumgarner no, cares. No, he has more character than anyone. Go get it out of the ocean. Oh, God. Yeah. Max Muncy. Max he, he, he is really bad this season. Um, but yeah, How is Madison Bumgarner? <laughs> oh, man, that's not good. Go Giants, baby. Damn we're, we're World Series champions. Um, no, but back to what I was saying. After every game, you see Adley Rushman smile. You see a lot of these players on this team smile. I don't know if that makes a difference, but 
I like this team. They're, they're not only going to be a successful team, but it's, it's a team that you can fall in love with just because of how likable the players are on the team. Um, but with that, do you guys have anything else to say before we get into grades? I just I wanted to give some credit to Brandon Hyde. Like, the dude, like, went through the thick and thin of the rebuild. Like, he went through some really crappy seasons, and I think having that leadership really helped this team of, with that togetherness this year. Uh, and I think that's going to be, I think the difference between someone like Brandon Hyde and Scott Service is Scott Service had a couple rough years, but nothing to the degree that Brandon Hyde went through. And I really think that's going to help him lead his team into the postseason next year and on years beyond. Uh, my point is, I, I just, this team needs a pitcher, a starting pitcher, a quality starting arm if they do want to be competitive. And there, they, and there's some names out there in in the in the market uh, this upcoming offseason. They could go and try and sign Carlos Rodon now that he's opted out um, with the Giants. But on top of that, we talked about the togetherness, right? And that's probably because majority of these guys have kind of been with the Orioles for a long time and have felt that suckiness that the Orioles have done for the past half decade. So with that, let's get into our grades. For me, I had that in them at an A-. minus. I could have put them in an A. I debated it, but I stuck them at an A- minus because it was a great season through and through. But I just feel like they have more, and they'll show us more coming up. Aiden had them at an A, which makes perfect sense. I'm not going to argue with it. Um, Brad, you want to go first? You want me to go? I'll go. Um, I thought this was the perfect year for the Orioles. I had no expectations of them being above 500. I had no, like, I could dock them for not making the playoffs, but I'm not going to do that. They they put up the best season they've put up in six years. Like, no one expected this. If you, if you got asked to put an extreme bet on a team being good this year that wasn't good last year, like, not like just a 70 win team winning 80 games but like a team below 70 putting up a real competitive quality season where the Orioles were fighting until the last couple of weeks of the season, they are, they are in that a plus. Like, and that is exactly what I said. I said an a plus um, it's all, it's all relative. I mean, we talked about this before in the last one uh, with the blue Jays, you, you, you put away the team and you see that you see the, the final standings. You're like, that's, that's an okay. That's a good season. I mean, it's, it's not a successful season because they didn't make the playoffs, but it's, it's an, it's an okay season. It's a good season. But you label them as the Orioles, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Um, it's, 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 it's amazing. I mean, they, they did – they progressed everywhere. For what it is, in, in, it's, all, it's all relative to the team. I, I'm stuttering a lot, but um, it's all relative to what their goals were and what, what, their, what their future is looking forward. And no one thought they were going to be this good. They exceeded our expectations. And they've built the foundation for many years to come. Uh, that, with that being said, let's go into the um, the dumpster fire, which is Boston. Brad, you, you hop on this one. They fall under Rockies territory. You don't want to fall under Rockies territory. Like, I don't think you understand how bad this is. Like, this season was so incredibly disappointing. We had expectations of them competing, like being right there with the Yankees, at least in my head I did. I had them being mono I mono a couple good starting pitchers, a couple big bats. They're going one-on-one, like they're going to clash in the wild card, something of that nature, competing for those spots. The Boston Red Sox were a below 500 team. They were last in the American League East. Like, I don't understand the direction of this team. Like, they fall in Rockies territory. Are they rebuilding? Are they competing? Are they retooling? Like, what are they doing? They're losing some of their big players. You know, some of their players are getting older. There's not much of a pitching staff there. The bullpen's shaky. You got Bogarts. You got Devers. You got Verdugo, who is okay. You know, the Christian Casa showed signs of life. It's just like, look at the trade deadline, right? They traded, they got Tommy Pham, right? But they traded away Jake Diekman for Reese McGuire, but they traded away Christian Vasquez and got prospects, and they got Eric Hosmer? What are you doing, Boston? Like, what direction are you going in? Are you just retooling? Like, why are you spending any prospect capital on any of these players? 
when you should be trying to just rebuild. It sucks that you have to do it with Devers, but you're about to lose Bogarts. If you can lock up Devers because you have money coming off the books, do it. Rebuild the team, compete in three years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I, I didn't even take any notes on this just because I want to I want to wing this one. This is just like I yeah, like you said, I, I'm I might even give them the backwards F, the, the Rockies treatment here. This is like <laughs> this is I, I think I did just like Brad had them fighting with the Yankees for a spot here. Um you signed Trevor Story, you have a you have a good hitting team on paper. Um you got I mean, this isn't like the worst team ever. This is in the preseason, I would compare them to a, a well-hitting team like the Blue Jays. Not as good, obviously, but I would compare them to a team with very good hitting and decent pitching. Not good pitching, but decent pitching. Um, now, what's interesting is that a lot of people will see the Red Sox at the bottom of the East and say, man, they, they're really, really bad. And don't get me wrong, they're really bad. But they would have finished third in the Central, third in the West. And if you put them in the NL, they would have finished third in the Central. It, it's... It's all real. This American League East is insanely competitive, and I feel like everyone forgets that when when they look at the um, standings. But they still had seventy eight wins. I mean, it's still a lot worse than we predicted they would be. But it's not. I don't think it's Rockies territory. I don't think they fall into Rockies territory. I think they're a little bit above the backwards F, maybe like a sideways F. I'm thinking. Um, it's it it's really. The trade deadline had me audibly laughing. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. Tommy Pham is like 47 years old and beefs with people over fantasy football. He's old. Uh, uh, he's and, 34. And he's 34. He's 34. No, he's not. Okay. Tommy um, Pham is 34. And Eric Hosmer. I mean, yeah, like Brad said, are they he's retooling? Old. Are they rebuilding? You can't rebuild with 34 year olds. Um, that that was my analogy. Sorry, Steps. Um, you can't re- you can't really rebuild or retool with with people over the age of probably thirty three or thirty four in that in that range. Um, and the thing is, you don't have the worst system. I mean, you have Devers. You have a good middle infield. I mean, you have a good you have a good infield. You have Trevor Story. You have Devers. If you keep Bogarts, you have Bogarts. Obviously, thank you. Um, like you don't have the worst core you know they don't have a bad core but what they're building in there makes no sense like are we are are they building for this year why would they pick up players that are pushing past their prime today were they really this this deadline were they were they trying to win a world series in 2022 or were they trying to rebuild because you don't pick up Hosmer and Fam to rebuild for a team. You you pick those players up to maybe make a push for the World Series this season. Did you think they genuinely had the intentions to win the World Series this year? Not at all. Then yeah. Then what were they doing? What was the what was the plan? This team, we have said it. Both of you have said it. Has zero direction. <laughs> zero direct. Like what you. I don't understand the Boston Red Sox at all. Like Xander Bogarts is arguably one of the greatest shortstops in the game right now. And you're going to he's going to walk. Let's be honest, let's all be honest. Xander Bogarts will not be in a Boston Red Sox uniform next year. We all saw the their goodbyes that they had when he was walking off the field for the last time this season. Uh, and there was there was a moment between him and Raphael Devers. And they had this little hug they had. And it was it, you know how you have that that like hug. And it was that little extra moment that they hugged. You just you 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 know. You know that he's not gonna be a Red Sox next year. Which isn't a bad thing. They have a good system, like Tom said. They had a, they have a great system. They're the Red, the Red Sox do have a, a good farm system, so they're not in lack of talent by any stretch of the imagination. Not like the Rockies. So to say they are Rockies territory for their future is wrong. For the season, might be pretty spot on. In all honesty, I just don't. I, I just don't get the, the Boston Red Sox. Um, their only pitcher that recorded like innings this year was Nick Pavetta. 
Ooh, that's not who you want recording your innings. Uh, 179.2 to a sub 100 ERA plus. Rich Hill was iffy. He was, he's old, you know, he's getting up there in age. I, I really hope he gets to go for one championship ride with the team next year and then can ride off into the sunset. Michael Waka was there. He was okay, but he was flaky due to injuries. Yavaldi wasn't there that much and he wasn't great when he was there. I think the only positives you could really take away were Tanner Huck and Garrett Whitlock. Uh, they got to let Tanner Huck start at some point. And when Garrett Whitlock was able to start, he looked really good. It's just he got hurt, and it kind of pushed him back into the bullpen as the season got on. Yeah, and I think, especially when you're missing Chris Sale, who is a generational talent, I don't know if he's going to be the same now because he's been out of baseball for so long. Um, but trust I, I honestly think that if Chris Sale at max strength, and, and if he were as he was maybe a year before he got injured, I, I would say that, I would say that he would probably make a big difference in this team. I think this team lacks pitching and I don't think they're necessarily close to figuring it out. Like there's not one piece that, that will change this team's trajectory. It's, it's a lot, it needs a lot of work. Um, and the front office is not really, um, taking that on yet, taking the project on. Um, I don't know if you need to, pick up starting pitching or fill the gaps that are going to be leaving your team. Uh, how old is JD Martinez? I'm assuming he's going to be leaving 34, 35. He's, old. he's, he's on the older side. Um, didn't produce this season. Like he oh, has been not, not as he has before. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, I think you got to start with pitching. I think pitching is more, way more crucial than a lot of people give credit for, uh, especially when you look at how bad the starting five is. For the pitchers, yeah, he's thirty-five. Shady Martinez, yeah. Are you guys ready to get into grades? Yeah, Stevs. Right. Uh, I'll start with Aiden. Aiden had a had a D plus. Um, I had just under that. I had them at a D again. There's just no direction. I'm not gonna put them as low as the Washington Nationals because I just cannot believe the Washington Nationals. Uh. That's all I got on that, though. I think I think because I because I'm not going to give them an F. I'm going to give them the equivalent of an F because because there's no such thing as a D minus, but I'm going to give them a D minus because it's such a weird season. And I said earlier, there's no direction. There seems to be no more future, and their season was a letdown. Um, it's it's it, yeah i would say a d minus fits them well i don't that's not even a real grade that i don't think you can physically get a d minus but they're I getting think a d you can that's definitely a grade that is possible no i think it just goes d and an f afterwards but hey where we went to high school yeah scale. but not yeah with, so. but hey, there yeah. is definitely a grading scale out there that is a d minus all right Brad, what you got? I mean, like, I kind of agree that it would be like a d minus but my little equation is f plus d divided by two and according to the law of averages, if you have an F in there at all, it's an F. Uh, I give the Red Sox an F. Like F for freaking failing forensically. Um, like it was just bad. I don't think there's any way to put it. And I think like you look at a 78 and 84 season and it doesn't look that bad on paper. But when you if you ask someone from Boston what their thoughts are on the 2022 Boston Red Sox, they are beyond disappointed. And as someone who doesn't give a rat's ass about the Red Sox, I, I don't care, but I still think they were a bad team. I think that they were really disappointing considering the standards that we had set for them this season. And for that reason, I got to give them an F for failure. All right, well, I think that wraps up our AL East uh, grades for this year. Uh, definitely one of the most competitive divisions in all of baseball. Uh, make sure to follow us at the 4A Podcast on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TikTok, and YouTube. Uh, thank you.